0: See you, Pastor. Amen. brother Chris, I'm just going to stay behind here tonight, and so I'm not going to vary. I'm just going to stay right here behind the pulpit, so I'll just use the mic up here. Would you open your precious Bible, and aren't you glad it's precious? Jonah, in the Old Testament, if you would, turn there, and uh, we have uh, finished up through chapter one, but I'm going to read a little bit here in chapter one, and we're going to begin in chapter two, and uh, chapter two is very short. And it consists of a prayer and God's response. And so uh, we'll look at that tonight. But uh, let's look. Uh, we know that uh, we've talked just a little bit of review. We all know the, the life of Jonah. But, uh, but where the Lord came to Jonah, he told him to go and cry against their sin uh, at Nineveh. And we know in verse 3, Jonah went the other way. He went down to Tarshish and to, out of the presence of the Lord. And he went down. and I, I hope you marked that in your verse, uh, there in verse 3. He went down to Joppa, then he found a ship going to Tarsus, so he paid the fare, and boy did he, and went down into it. So when you start going away from the presence of the Lord, it's always a downward spiral. And uh, then we know that he loved him, and he sent this storm out. That's why he's seeking after him. Because the Bible says in verse 4, he, he sent out this great wind, and it caused the the ocean to be uh, very dangerous. And of course, these were seasoned sailors. They were going to perish, they felt. And of course, you know, Jonah was down in the bottom sleeping. And so we've dealt with all of that. So finally, in verse 12, um, he finally tells them, he said, look, you need to cast me over and uh, it's going to get calm. Uh, and the men didn't want to do that. The Bible tells us in verse 13, that's just the compassion of people. They tried to row their way out of it. That was their human attempt to try to save Jonah's life. But finally they realized that uh, there wasn't going to be anything else done, but Jonah needed to be cast forth. So in verse 15, uh, they took Jonah and they cast him forth into the sea. But we're going to answer that question a minute. Did they really cast him out? No, they really didn't. Verse 16, then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish, verse 17, to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now we stopped preaching there. Uh, we're going to start in chapter 2. Now let's look. We know now that he is in the belly of this fish. And here's what the Bible says. Then, I think that's interesting. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Notice verse 2 starts out then. <laughs> By the way, it should have been before then. But isn't that just like us? We give Jonah a hard time, but we do the same thing. We wait for trouble. Then notice what he did. Jonah prayed. Until the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. And said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. Look at verse 3. Very interesting verse. For thou hast cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about, all thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again. Toward thy holy temple. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The depths closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with the, her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption. In other words, you spared my life. O oh Lord my God, when my soul fainted within me, notice this I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee unto thine holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. That's a powerful verse. But I will sacrifice unto thee. This is an interesting statement. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that, that I have vowed salvation is of the Lord. Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight realizing our inadequacy. But Lord, I'm thankful tonight that people's life, people's future is not dependent upon my adequacy, Lord. It's dependent upon thy word. And Lord, we know that thy word is perfect. And so I pray that you'll do what I cannot do, help all of us tonight, and we will thank you. We need it. And we'll thank you. We will praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. When you read uh, commentaries, you get a lot of different thoughts. And that's what they are, they're commentaries. I am thankful for people's wisdom. But I read some commentaries on this passage of scripture, and I had never seen uh, what one of the commentaries, and I don't make this mine, I'm just going to share it with you. I'm going to start out maybe a little bit on that end, but I believe that Jonah is praying sincerely. One of the commentators that I read felt like that he was only doing this like a foxhole type of a cry, foxhole type of a a crying. And by the way, I get that. I I know that we've all heard that before, but I want you to know something. I, I believe God's interested in foxhole prayers. I don't think where, what, how, and why, as long as you are. And I'm going to look at a few things. So I say all of that because I, I don't take the position that that one commentator that I read that basically said, you know, because he messed up again in chapter four, he wasn't really sincere in chapter two. I don't, I don't go with that. I think he was very sincere. I think Jonah's human. <laughs> I think Jonah is exactly what he's doing here. He was caught in a place of crisis. The Bible said here, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. And look what he said in verse 2. And he said, I cried by reason of mine affliction. So I really just want to start there tonight. I cried by reason of mine affliction to the Lord. I do believe that uh, some of the greatest praying is because of affliction. So when we talk about affliction driven prayer, someone might say, ah, that's not of God. Well, I believe It is. I believe Jonah said, I cried by reason of mine affliction to the Lord. Now here's my question. When is the last time that you and I really, really, really prayed? I mean, I, I want you to think about that. More than likely, when you were really praying, and by the way, that might be that you couldn't say a word. All you could keep saying is, God help me, God help me, God help me. Normally, when you pray like that, it's because of some affliction in your life. Amen. Does it take some crisis for us to find a place on our knees? It doesn't have to, but to be fair and to be honest, we all know. I mean, we're all we're we're all adults in here, and we're all humans. We understand human humanity. We understand our own flesh. We understand our own selves we understand that that's probably when the greatest praying gets done. Now, I want you to know, we need to pray in time of affliction, but I also don't want to minimize the fact that God wants us to worship Him and to pray to Him all the time. Now, in comparison to that, when we think about Jonah, we see if that commentator's right, saying, well, he's only praying uh, because he's in a mess and he really didn't mean it. I don't take that position, but I do believe because of his crisis, he he realized he better get right with God. That's not a bad thing, by the way. And we're going to look at that in a minute. I think verse 3, I want to really talk about this towards the end of the message But verse 3 says a lot, for thou hast cast me into the sea. And then when you look at verse number 8 or verse number 9, he says, I'm going to sacrifice to thee with a voice of thanksgiving. How in the world can a man be in the belly of a fish and be thankful? I think there's reasons. But in comparison to Jonah, and when we talk about, should we only be really getting down on our hands and knees and praying just because there's a crisis or because we're in some type of affliction... Or we could use a Bible comparison. What about Daniel? Think about Daniel. Daniel was a consistent man of God. And as a result, his enemies conspired against him and got the king to sign a petition. Why? Because he prayed all the time. Whether it was raining outside, whether he was in a bad place or in a good place. We know that he was very, very consistent. So that's a great testimony, isn't it? Here's the testimony, or here's the application. Uh, in Daniel chapter six, verse ten, it says, "Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his when his windows being open in his chamber towards Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as he did aforetime. Notice this: he needed to pray during his afflictions, but nothing changed when the affliction wasn't there." He was praying all along. And so I think in comparison, we ought to be more like Daniel than Jonah. But thank God for Jonah got to a place where he prayed. So I do believe that the affliction drove uh, Jonah to pray, just as it does us. And so talk about that a moment. We see the motivation. Uh, He said here, I said, I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. that's, That's what's a blessing. He, so that's why I disagree. even if he did only pray a, a foxhole prayer, and he said, all right, I really don't mean this. what's well, awful funny, the Bible says right here in chapter two that the Lord heard him. Now I don't know about you, but I think God knows the hearts of people better than people know people. And that's what matters. But I will say this, affliction is a great motivator. One of the greatest coaches, I would say probably the greatest coach, it's kind of funny, Lane Kiffin had SEC Media Days the other day, I listened to him, and he made a statement and said he felt this coach was the best coach of all time. I'm not going to make that statement, I think he's one of the best. But here's one of the things that this coach said as a coach. He said this, he said, I try to teach my players not to waste a failure. Not to waste a mistake. You think about that in the spiritual realm. That's a pretty powerful scriptural principle. Now think about this. When we talk about motivation, absolutely. I would think Jonah would be more motivated because of his affliction before he was. He's motivated now to pray more so than what he was in chapter 1. What's motivating? trouble? I want to tell you when someone ought to get really concerned is when there's trouble in their life and they're not motivated to pray. Affliction is definitely a powerful motivator. Trouble is a good motivator to pray. When there's someone that we love or someone that we care about that we know is being troubled, or maybe they're in sin, or maybe they're doing something wrong. I want to tell you something. It ought to motivate us to pray. Affliction is definitely a powerful motivator. Like Jonah, think about it. Who was another Bible personality that we could also say that did a great work for God, but someone might say, well, he was only motivated to pray because he was in affliction. Think about it. Who was it? Samson. Think about Samson a moment. Like Jonah, Samson had run a course of disobedience his whole life. Warning after warning, God had warned him and he went unheeded. He just went on every close call. He had several close calls. You read the life of of Samson. It wasn't that God didn't warn him, but he always would cast those warnings aside and just keep on going. By the way, the mind and the flesh is a powerful thing. But when we see this, uh, the Bible said, now with his eyes put out and he's at the grind, they've done found his weakness. Now he's a weakling and he was the man. See, I believe he was relying upon his strength. He didn't really feel like he needed God. He didn't really feel like he had to... Listen to those warnings. But now we see the same kind of motivation. We know that Samson prayed just like Jonah. In one of these places of affliction, he prays. But what does he say? He said, oh Lord God, remember me. I pray thee and strengthen me I pray thee only this once now I don't know about y'all but that's a prayer that we prayed before I think I did that one time I can remember one time on a boat I was sick and I said Lord if you get me off this boat I'll do anything you want me to do that's the kind of praying he's talking about here but he said that if you will only this once he said oh God that I may be at once of the blistings for my two eyes and guess what God answered that prayer too So I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't really like the commentary. He might be right. But whatever the motive was, I know this, God answered the prayer. So if it was affliction, and by the way, I I do believe that's Well, we know that's what motivated because he said right here, I cried by reason of my affliction. He tells you. Jonah says, Lord, I'm crying of my affliction, what I have brought on myself. He's in trouble. If any of y'all was in the belly of the whale, do you think y'all be in trouble? So we see the motivation, but I want you to notice the misery as we read that verse. He's in some misery, and here's what I thought about. Boy, the devil's a liar, and you know what? Our flesh is so strong. We think, we think whatever the pleasure of sin is. And by the way, there is pleasure of sin, but it's for a season. You know what? And I don't mean this ugly, but Jonah's, he's found out now. He's found out now, hasn't he? He's found out now there's no more fun. There's no more sleeping. <clears throat> there's no more fun getting on a boat and going down and getting away from the presence of the Lord. Now he's caught so there is pleasure for sin and a season. Hebrews eleven twenty five 25 tells us. Then the Bible tells us in Proverbs, folly is joy to him that is destitute of wisdom, but a man of understanding walketh uprightly. God help us. The path of disobedience may be smooth. <coughs> may be smooth sailing for a while. But I'm gonna tell you something right now. It's always short. And I I thought about this as he's praying this prayer. Now whatever price Jonah was unwilling to pay in chapter 1, he wasn't willing to pay something because he didn't want to go. So he thought the price was too much. Maybe he thought in his mind and heart, well, God's asked me to go up there and I don't have time to do that. Whatever reason, he disobeyed the Lord. But whatever price he didn't want to pay in chapter 1, I can promise you now he's paying more now. Isn't that how it always is? So, whatever price Jonah was unwilling to pay when God asked him to preach to Nineveh now seems pretty meager in comparison, because the Bible says here that he's in the billows and in the belly of hell. That's a pretty strong language. Think about that. Let's look at it. Verse 3. Look, notice what the Bible says: For thou hast cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas, and the floods compass me about. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight. In other words, he said, you're done with me. But here's what I love. He said, but even though I thought you were done with me, he said, here, I looked again toward the holy temple. And the waters could pass me out, even to the soul. The depth closed me around about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. In other words, said, I should have died. But he said, you spared my life. Proverbs 11, 19 says this, As righteousness tendeth to life, so he that pursueth evil pursueth it to his own death. I'm going somewhere. I know this isn't a barn burner. I do believe, no doubt, the Bible tells us that he cried because he was in affliction. So we understand that it was affliction-driven prayer. That was the motivation. And then we also realize the misery of his sin is now becoming real. It must not have been real, real to him in chapter 1 all the way up until that storm came. But it's becoming real to him now. He's realizing what he has done. And he's realizing that whatever price he wasn't willing to pay to trust God, he wishes now he would have. So we see the misery. Then I want you to notice not only the affliction drove his prayer, I want you to notice adversity drives praying. Look at verse 7. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came in unto thee, unto thy holy temple. Notice what he says here. When my soul fainted with them, he had to get to a place of where some real adversity came. Now, again, I mentioned this a moment ago, but someone might say, well, this was a foxhole prayer. Maybe it was, but if there's ever been a foxhole prayer, this was it. But again, I differ with the commentator. Sometimes the circumstances isn't quite what you choose for or want to happen. But here's what's amazing. I love this. Only God knows the heart. You know, that's something about the feebleness of men, mankind, our vision, our our uh, wisdom sometimes is so very light. Because, you know, I've heard people say... Oh, I've seen that person get saved. They didn't cry. They didn't cry a tear. And then you've seen other people. They cried boodles, boodles of tears. And the one man that didn't cry one tear is still in church for thirty years, and the other one got out in two days. So we can't always go by. Well, he's praying just because he's in trouble. Listen to me. Most of us pray because we get in trouble. And by the way, if you don't learn, I'm going to say this: If you don't pray when you get in trouble, something's wrong with you. So I understand this probably is a cry from a foxhole, but I'm thankful God still heard it. (laughs) But here's what I want to spend a few moments on. Here's what I love. It really don't matter. Why Jonah prayed? We know why he prayed. He said, I cried because of my affliction. But here's what I love. I remember the Lord, verse 7, here's what I love. And my prayer came in unto thee and the holy temple. Here's what I like. This is what I learned. And this is what we need to spend time on thinking about. I'm glad we have a heavenly father that's still concerned about us even though we failed. Can I ask y'all a question? Y'all think that old father of that prodigal son was disappointed? You think that father uh, was disappointed when his son took all of his living and went out and wasted on, look at him, absolutely he was disappointed, just as you would be disappointed. (laughs) I'm going to tell you what else I love about that father, which is our heavenly father, I'm going to tell you what excites me about that, he's always, he's just waiting for his son to come back home. And you know what? Jonah's coming back home. Now we know he's going to fail a little bit later in this passage of scripture. But I thank God. I mean when you hear this prayer and you see this prayer. You see some revival going on. You see some things, real hard work going on in the life of Jonah. And here's what I love. We have a heavenly father that's ready to receive him. He's ready to hear him. God sometimes puts us in the dark to prove to us that he's the light. I guarantee there wasn't no darker spot than where Jonah was. Hey, Vance Habner, and I quote, he said this, sometimes your medicine bottle, I've never seen this, I've seen it just today. Sometimes your medicine bottle has on it, shake well before using. That's what God has to do with us some of his people because he has to shake them well before they are ever usable. Micah seven eighteen says this, Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever because he delighteth in mercy. Do we delight in mercy? I can answer that for, for me. I have been many times in my life, I have not delighted in mercy. But I'm glad God's never said that. He's always delighting in mercy. Notice what the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 43. I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake and will not remember thy sins. Aren't you glad that we have a God that won't even remember our sins? Appreciate the one. You try that with people, you'll never get it. But I thank God we don't have a, we don't have a person we have a God and I'm glad his promise is he said I will not even remember your sin and by the way, Jonah yes he's going to have some consequences to pay but I'm glad that God doesn't remember his sin. Here's a little statement that I read today that I never had thought of and to be to be honest it's it's still I'm trying to grapple with it but I believe it it's just tough. Here it is God, Never tires of true repentance. God never tires of true repentance. I don't know about you, but there have been times because I feel so unworthy, it's hard for me to ask for forgiveness. I don't know if y'all feel like that. I felt like that before. I'm like, man, God, I failed you again. Boy, this helped me today. He "God never tires of true repentance." I believe that. Why? Because Psalm one fifty or Psalm fifty-one, verse seventeen says this: "The sacrifices of God, the sacrifices of God, are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, that wilt not despise." Y'all believe Jonah's there? I believe Jonah's there. I really do. You believe he's there, brother Larry? I do too. Brother Mark, I believe he's there. I I don't believe this is just a foxhole cry. I don't believe this is just a foxhole prayer. I don't believe he's saying, God, get me out of this. Because you know why I believe that? I'm going to give you some reasons. I I don't want to jump too far away. But here's one reason why I know that it's not just a foxhole prayer. Verse 9 says, but I will sacrifice thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. In other words, he said, look, I have disobeyed you, but now I'm going to do it. That's what he said. He said, I know that I've disobeyed you. I know that I've done wrong. But now you hide and watch, God, now I'm going to do what I told you I was going to do. And by the way, we know he doesn't because look at verse 3. And the word of the Lord came into Jonah the second time. This is chapter 3 saying, arise, go to Nineveh. Look at verse 3 of chapter 3. So Jonah arose. He went. He did right. He said, well, pastor, don't count because it took him a second chance. I'm glad I'm not God. Now, here's an amazing realization, verse 3. Here's the amazing realization. For thou hast cast me into the deep. Now, I went up and circled that verse. It's been circled in my Bible for some time. I circled verse 3 and I brought an arrow down from verse 15 of chapter 1. Down to chapter 2 verse 3. Because look what verse 15 of chapter 1 says. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea. No they didn't. God did. Y'all remember years and years and years ago. And by the way I'm not criticizing. Y'all remember when that movie came out. The Jesus the passion of Christ. And everybody was fighting about who took the, the life of Christ. None of them did. Are y'all with me? Nobody did. He gave his life. And in this passage, we see that it was even greater than these men. Yes, these men were the human instruments that threw Jonah over that boat. But in reality, they are not who threw Jonah over that boat. Because we see in verse 3, for thou hast cast me into the deep. God did it. And then another amazing statement is in verse 9. He said, but I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. Now that seems like that's out of place, but it's really powerful. Here's why. He recognized, even though in his difficult situation, even in the belly of hell, that's what he said, in the belly of hell, even though he was in a very difficult situation, he still realized this. God was merciful to him. And he was thankful. Why was he thankful? Well, a couple of just quick observations. Number one, uh, I did a little bit of study on that. When we talk about that belly of hell, um, we understand really what he was saying there, that God spared me from death's door. He said, I could have died. And then later on over there, he said, you also spared me from dying. Basically, what he said. So first of all, he was thankful because, by the way, God spared his life. I can guarantee you one thing. When those sailors threw him over that ocean, they never dreamed they'd ever see him again. And maybe they didn't, but I will say this. He didn't die. But I'll guarantee you, because they, they wouldn't have prayed the prayer that they prayed and said, God, be merciful to us. They knew they just felt like they murdered a man. And I'm going to be honest, anybody who's been thrown off that, they knew that was a death sentence, and so, so did Jonah. So when he says, I give a sacrifice, a voice of thanksgiving, he was thankful for the first easy thing to be thankful for, God spared his life. I wonder how many times God spared our lives. But then here's the other one, I believe this is why he was really thankful. I wish I could tell you that Jonah stopped doing wrong because Jonah was convicted and stopped doing wrong. But he didn't. Y'all hear me? Isn't that how it's supposed to work? It's how it's supposed to work. You ever heard somebody say, well, they're not really sorry. They only got caught. Who do you think caught them? Who caught Jonah. Y'all are quiet tonight. I think I scared everybody off talking back to me. Jonah did. Hey, who got caught? Jonah. You say, Pastor, he's certainly not giving a voice of thanksgiving because he got caught. Oh, yes, he is. You say, how do you know that, Pastor? Because look at verse 3. For thou hast cast me into the deep. He's thought, I know this has been your work. You're the one that's done this. And he's stopping He said, I'm thankful. I'm giving a voice of thanksgiving to you because here's what, he says, you stopped my disobedience. You ever been thankful because you got caught? Could you imagine what could have happened here if Jonah didn't get caught? Well, I'll tell you what would have happened. What wouldn't have happened? Chapter three wouldn't have happened. What happened in chapter three? A great revival took place from a backslidden preacher that got right with God. What if he didn't get caught? What if he kept selling on that ship? No storm come. God didn't throw him over. I'm going to tell you what. There have been a lot of people dying and went to hell. No, I believe when he said, I will sacrifice unto thee the voice of thanksgiving, he was thankful that God caught him. Stopped his disobedience. Although he's in a bad place, although he's in a dark circumstance, although he's struggling with a lot of things, he's still very thankful that God stopped his disobedience. His thankfulness, and by the way, do you know how we know he was thankful? Because his thankfulness... you remember earlier in the message when I said that the crisis or the adversity motivated him? That's not what motivated him anymore. What's motivating him now? That crisis and adversity is not motivating him to do verse 3 in chapter 3 and he arose. That's not motivating him. What's motivating him now? His thankfulness for the Lord. Notice in verse 8 and 9. That, that they observe lying vanish for sake of their mercy. Look at verse 9. But I will sacrifice in thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that, that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. So here's what he's saying. Now, because of what the Lord has done for him and his thankfulness to the Lord of sparing his life and also stopping him from his, from his disobedience has motivated him to get on with what God's told him to do. Because he said, I will pay that that I have vowed. What does that simply mean? That just simply means that he is going to keep the promise that he had made the Lord and he's going to obey him. When he repented, when he recognized the Lord's goodness. Even in this horrible, dark, gloomy situation of his sin that caused him, got him to this place, he came to a beautiful recognition, a beautiful realization that the Lord has spared him, given him another chance, heard his prayer, and I'm thankful. He says, Lord, I'm going to do what you told me to do. And by the way, it wasn't just lip service. It was verse 3 says, so Jonah arose. So now how did God answer this prayer? Look at verse 10. And the Lord spake to the fish and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. Now, I don't know if that's the kind of landing i would want to have. But I'm gonna be honest with you. I'd rather that fish vomited me up in the land than I'm sure he didn't mind if he didn't have to stay another night or day in that whale's belly. But here's the point. Whatever that commentator thinks, it doesn't matter. I know what God thought. God answered his prayer. And I believe that Jonah was truly repentive, And I believe that Jonah went on, and of course we know did the work of God. Now I know he's going to fail again, he's going to struggle again. But you know what? Here's what I love about that. Even the people God used in the Bible are human, amen? But when we look at this prayer I hope the application is just simply this. I hope and pray that no matter what motivates us to pray, we ought to pray from a repentant heart, a sincere heart, and I'm thankful God will hear us. Amen. No matter where you're at, if you're in the belly of a fish, no matter if you're in the darkest days of your life, if you pray with a sincere heart, he's going to hear you. Amen. I'm thankful for that. He loves a broken spirit and a contrite, and he never gets tired of truth repentance. God help us. Amen. That's why we ought to rejoice when someone has been a prodigal and they come home. Whether that's my family, your family, or some lost man out here on the street, we ought to be rejoicing and we ought to look at him like God looks at him in a sincere heart and we ought to be ready to restore and to forgive just like God. Amen. And by the way, sometimes we fail at that, but God help us. Amen. We never see God fail at that, and I'm thankful. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight. We thank you for your goodness. Lord, I thank you for this prayer. Lord, really, it's, we, could, we talk about Jonah. But Lord, we're really, we're thankful for you. You answered the prayer. I am thankful for his repentance, Lord. I'm thankful whatever motivated him to pray. Lord, we know what motivated him to pray. I believe he was getting real. He was getting sincere. But Lord, what blesses me about this is you're a loving God. And even though this man had failed you, you were waiting on him to return. And I'm glad that's the kind of God you are. Thank you for loving me unconditionally. I pray you'll help me to grow in your grace. And I pray you'll help our church to grow in your grace. Help us to follow you. We'll thank you for what you do. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. And all God's people say it. God bless you. Have a great, great night. Be careful.